I lay down. That's the wonder. The wonder of the cross. It stimulates love in us. And something is supposed to occur on Communion Sunday, the Lord's Supper. We're supposed to reciprocate and fall back in love with Jesus again. That is supposed to occur. There should be no one here have to be put under a guilt trip. No one should have to be beaten over the head with the word. Everything that God receives has to come from the heart. And if there's something wrong in the heart, then we need to get that fixed. We need to examine ourselves today. Part of Holy Communion is examining ourselves, self-examination. And self-examination means we're not looking at others. We're looking to our own heart and our own life. And we're saying, am I doing what I'm doing out of love for the Lord and love for His people and love for His kingdom and love for His work? Because if it isn't out of love, then it's, it's something different. The Bible said even in giving, and we mentioned not just giving of our, our material blessings, but giving uh, of ourself to others. If any man give, let him give not out of necessity nor grudgingly, but let him give willingly. See, it has to come from the heart, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. When you offer yourself a living sacrifice, when you give yourself to the Lord, that's what that's all about. I beseech you, I command you, I demand you, no, I beseech you by the mercies of God. This is responding to His mercy in kind by loving Him back for loving you that much. Can you say amen? To offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Amen. And be no more conformed to this world or pushed into this world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect, acceptable will of the Lord. If we give ourselves to be burned and we don't have love, it profits nothing. I remember during the Vietnam War, in particular watching television and seeing some of those monks that douse themselves with gasoline to protest and set themselves alight. And if they did it for any other reason, in fact, God don't want love to work that way. That's not how you show love is by destroying yourself to make some political statement. So it, it was in vain. That death was totally in vain as far as God is concerned. If you give to the Lord grudgingly, <laughs> there's no blessing that you can claim. You haven't planted a seed to get the need met. Amen. When, when it doesn't come from the heart. So if someone is tantalizing you with a blessed wallet or blessed water, I never thought I'd see the day I'd have to buy water. I, I sure didn't think I'd see the day that they were selling water to people to get their mortgages paid. Amen. A bottle of water. A blessed bottle of water. It's amazing what people are using to try to stimulate giving. And let me tell you why all of these people got into all this crazy stuff. It's because when people quit loving God enough to do it because they loved Him, they had to come up with schemes and they shouldn't have. And they're wrong in doing it. But the reason they did it is because they couldn't get people to give because of Calvary or Christ. Hello? And that's exactly why these people came out of the woodwork. We'll find a way. And others said, well, we can't get them to give because of Calvary. We can't get them to give because of Christ. What he did on the cross doesn't stimulate that kind of devotion enough to, to want to support a ministry. So 
they're getting their ministry to grow because they have the money to grow it. And they're doing it. They're doing it by using these things. I remember one year at Easter. It gets really crazy out there. But I remember one year at Easter, and I'm going around looking at, you know, looking for inspiration. I think I'm going to hear about the resurrection. It's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. And you know what I hear? There's a window. I hear this national evangelist, followed by tens of thousands of people, that over the Easter season, now where people come up with this junk, I don't know. But it is junk. And I, I will tell them to their face. I'll say it before God. I have no qualms. in. I know the Bible enough after 43 years to stand up for what is right and not be afraid of God or man when I do so. And, and he, he said there's a window. I got a letter. And there's a window of opportunity over that holy week, that seven-day. See, there's always a time limit. You ever, you ever seen how they're selling products? All those that call in the next 30 minutes, as if they're going to run out. If you don't call in 30 minutes, I guarantee you, if you call in 45 minutes, they will take your money and send you the product. <laughs> Amen. But they, 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 they want you to get off that couch and get on that phone. And they want to stimulate you and motivate you. And, and they say, if you call in the next 30 minutes, we're going to throw in this with it. And so somebody sitting there said, well, I want that. So they jump up, and so they start, so, so this marketing ploy, and there's hundreds of them out there. One, one time somebody sent me, one time a, a major lady evangelist, see, I get these letters, because <laughs> people think people are going to send me something to inspire me, and it usually perspires me. Can you say amen? It, it just makes me mad, and I get hot. I, and, and I get this letter in the mail, and it's got a little, you know, I used to carry marbles to school, to play marbles in a little, little, little bag with a, with a uh, drawstring at the top. I got this. It was empty. And it said, have you ever thought what happened to the 30 pieces of silver that Judas sold out for? Said, really, we're not blessed as we ought to be because we owe the debt back to God but for those who sold him out. And if you will take $30 in coins or cash and put it in this bag and send it back to us, then that curse of the old... And I'm thinking, what? Seriously? People are not going to do this, are they? Are they? Do they have Bibles? Do they go to church? But you know, but they don't read them. They're pretty to look at. I like the story of the blind man that, that had a Bible in Braille. He could actually read it in Braille. And he carried it to church every Sunday. He carried this big Bible with him to church. And a man that sat on his porch and watched him walk down the sidewalk to church every Sunday with his cane tapping. He knew the way to get there. And he was going to hear the word. And he's carrying the big old Bible with him. Amen. And, then, and, then, and he said, he said the, the guy on the porch asked him, said, what are you doing with that big old Bible? He said, well, it's, it's Braille. I can read it with my fingers. And he said, yeah, but why do you carry it 
when you're not reading it on the way to church every Sunday? He said, because I just want people to know whose side I'm on. And I thought that was a pretty good answer. <laughs> Amen. If you're packing a Bible around, it may be assumed you're on the Lord's side, but it won't do you any good unless you read it. The Word in the Bible is the sword of the Spirit in its sheath. The Word in your heart, and because it's in your heart coming out your mouth, is the Word of God unsheathed and ready to use. It is the offensive weapon in the armor of God. Taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. So, since Christianity became shallow and devotion was not something and discipleship was not something required anymore, then you had to stimulate giving of oneself or one substance with the material, with money. What's in it for me? Before I give anything, I want to know what's in it for me. And we use the material. And we use the hundredfold, to be honest about it. It's amazing where that is. It's in the context of, of having more fulfillment in God's kingdom. Actually, better to give than receive fulfillment than anything you can buy. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, if you think money won't make you happy, you don't know where to shop. And that's the world's attitude. They opened a new mall out that way. Tens of thousands of people. It's an outlet mall. But the products they're selling at a discount is still super high. So if you think you're going to get a coach purse for $20, forget about it. <laughs> You may get a $500 purse for 300 but, you know, but people are flocking. See, this is a material world. Madonna wrote about it in a song. At least she was honest in her song. I'm a material girl. I live in a material world. Well, Christians are supposed to be a little bit different than that. We're supposed to be more spiritually oriented than just the material. And God cares about the material. Don't get me wrong. He cares deeply about all of that. And He said, if you'll put the kingdom of God first, all these other things shall be added unto you. Praise God. All you've got to do is put the kingdom first. He said, for the Lord knows what you're telling Him about all the time. said, He knows that. You don't have to tell Him about that. A father knows what his children need. They don't have to beg to get their father to meet their needs. My son didn't have to beg me for shoes. He didn't have to beg me for pants and shirts and lunch money. Amen. Because I'm his daddy. And, and if any man provide not for his own. Let me tell you something about the faith and hanging around church and Christianity. If any man, any man provide not for his own. He has denied the faith. And he is worse than an infidel. Because this faith is based on love. And love doesn't withhold and love doesn't harm and hurt love gives and gives gladly hallelujah and gives gladly i said and gives gladly the grudgingly giving has created a situation where unscrupulous preachers that do not do not know the mind and will and heart of god want to have built huge dynasties by stimulating people with the material Think about this. 
major evangelists. Articles all the time in Charisma magazine. Writing somebody like me and telling me that over the seven day period, the Holy Week, a window is open for giving that is not open any other time of the year. In other words, the special blessing that comes during this seven days. Are you reaching for your wallet? No, I put it right. No, I'm just. No, he was just scratching. I thought he was. I love you, brother. If I couldn't play with you, we couldn't pray with you. Anyway, amen. Listen to me carefully. Seven days, and we're laughing. You know what we're laughing? It's ludicrous. But you know what is more ludicrous? All the Christians that are giving because of that. Because of that. Because of that. Not because of Jesus, what we're about to celebrate here. Not because of Calvary. Not because of any love or concern for the lost souls that are going to hell. But because of that material blessing. Because this was going to be... If you give during that seven days... And you can see the same marketing that's going on if you call in the next 15 minutes. Can you say amen? If you give in the next, if you give in the next seven days within that window, it's got to be within that window, there is a triple blessing on your giving. Not just double, triple. So if you put down 100 during that time, you get 300 back. And I thought, wait a minute. Last month you were talking about the 100 fold. You get a lot more during the hundredfold any time you want to do it, if that's the case. If that's the case. And you want, you want your, I remember one evangelist on television, they had a stack of desperate people, hurting people that need God's help desperately. Stack of prayer requests this high. And you know, he went to pray and he stopped. I was sitting there with my daddy. And he stopped. And he said, it's hard to pray over any of these requests if you haven't given to this ministry. Because see, the give to get thing, that gets stuck. If you want your family saved what Jesus did at the cross, you can't plead the blood. You've got to pay the preacher. Come on, you can't plead the blood. I'm going to tell you something. I wouldn't want to be in any minister's shoes. That said he that you have to buy the blessing. That somehow you have enough money that you could give to his ministry, her ministry, to get God to save your lost loved one. God loved that loved one enough to save them enough to give his son. Jesus loved that loved one enough to give his life. You couldn't buy it if you were a multi billionaire Can you say man? How, for we were not redeemed with corruptible things. As like silver and go, oh, is it corruptible? Not only is it corruptible, it's going to, it's going to vanish, but we, it corrupts. God knows if you could handle riches today and not become prideful and self-sufficient. I really like the t-shirt that said, Lord, please help me to win the lotto so I can prove to you that it won't change me. Can you say, man? It's going to change you. It changes everybody. Statistically, most of the people that win those millions end up unhappy. Some of them divorce. They, they have trouble in their families because you give, you know, you give your nephew $100,000 and he wanted $500,000. You stingy old thing. 
Amen. The Bible calls it, without God's kingdom in view, filthy lucre. Gave it a name, mammon. M-A-M-M-O-N. Mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. You can serve God with money. And mammon is not just the money. It's what the money achieves. And what it does. If someone comes in in goodly apparel. See, this, this has happened in churches. We went to a church when we were in between churches. And our tithe had backed up. And we... We were waiting on the Lord to give us an opportunity to give what had accumulated. And so that gift was more than if we had just given on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. So we went to a church. We were fed real well in the Word. And we saw that they were trying to reach others for Christ. and, And so we wrote the check. Well, guess what happened after the service? We did, we'd never met the pastor before. We're going to meet him now. <laughs> Amen. And, and it's okay. I'm not saying it's terrible, but, but he came down. I know there's other people giving. I know there's people give every Sunday. But we gave a, a pretty good check. So he came down, and he said, I'd like to take you all out to eat. And we said, fine. We went out to eat. We had a good conversation. But I thought, you know something? There's probably somebody sitting here that ain't never been out to eat that gives a little bit every week to help this thing going. But he came to me because of that check. And if I hadn't given that check, he would not have come to me. And I thought, this, this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't the Bible. If someone comes in in goodly apparel, they come in in a, in a suit that was tailored, that cost, uh, cost them $2,500, and they're wearing, amen, a $25,000 Rolex, and they drove up, amen, in, the, in a, in a $60,000 vehicle. And, I, and they start heading for the back row, and I bust a move and run over here and grab them by the hand and say, Come on, no, you don't need to sit back there. Come on. <laughs> Here's the good seats right here. We want you to sit or right, park it right there, my brother. You know what Jesus said about that? If someone comes into your gathering in goodly apparel, dressed to the nines, and you know that they can be that kind of material blessing to you, and you tell them, sit thou here, he said, you sin. That's sin. That's S-I-N. It's sin. Why? Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. And I'm glad to serve a God like that. I'm glad that God loves me. I'm glad that there's nobody that's got anything or doing anything that has any more uh, uh, love from the Lord than He loves me with. Nobody is a nobody in the kingdom of God. Can you say man? I said nobody is a nobody in the kingdom of God. Back during the civil rights movement, there was a slogan for people that had been beat down until they had no, no vision and no confidence in themselves. You remember what it was? Anybody old as me? I am somebody. Can you say amen? Well, listen, that's not just for people that have been racially uh, uh, profiled and racially persecuted. That's for everybody, particularly Christians. Christians need to stand up and declare, I am a child of the living 
God. Can you say man? I'm not prideful, but I know who I am in Christ. And I know who He is in me. And I know my prayers will be answered because of what He did at the cross. Not anything that I can do except put my trust in the One who died and bled for me. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold after the tradition of your father. Redeem means to ransom. Everybody knows if you're going to get somebody to be ransomed, to get them set free, you got to pay. If you don't pay, they're not going to turn them loose. Here's the deal when you come to the gospel. Somebody has paid the price for your salvation. You can't buy it. You can't sow a seed to get Him to save you. He'll save you. Seed or This ain't about you giving money. This is about Him giving His life on the cross. It wasn't anything of the material that ransomed fallen man, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. A lamb sacrifice lamb actually without spot and without blemish so you know what i did with this if you give you're going to get a triple blessing but you've got to give in this seven day window over easter because and i'm thinking how i would love to sit down with this guy and say where did you get that show me chapter and verse there is no chapter and verse but once people put people on a pedestal that don't read their bibles at home anyhow I see these people opening their Bible. When I start preaching, I better preach right. Amen. I was saying something a while ago, and he got right on there. I don't know if he's hunting Super Mario or, or, or the Scripture, but he was on there. Amen. Amen. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Because I've been preaching for 43 years. And I know a few things about the Bible. I don't know everything about it. I know a few things after 43 years. Just a few things. And I know that is wrong. It's dead wrong. But it stimulates giving. And so the means in their mind justifies the ends. And you see this huge complex. You see all of these people hoping to get rich. Amen. And then you go to a church where the truth is preached. And you don't see that. So the pressure's on every pastor in America to compromise. Because there's not enough support for the truth. False prophets flourish. And that's why Timothy was disgusted, depressed, and discouraged. Because he brought the truth... And no one supported him hardly. But someone across town is preaching error. And they're filling the pews. And they're building the buildings. And we're calling that success. We haven't made disciples under Christ. We've got the kingdom all out of whack. The kingdom isn't first in their life. You don't have to love God to give to get. You do not have to love Him. If you think you're going to get rich by giving in an offering, you don't have to love God to do that. 
in Silver Springs, we lived near the Tampa Greyhound track, and we would hear, we would hear the, 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 the trumpet when it would go, you know. Does anybody know how it went? Here comes Rusty. That ra- they're going to turn the rabbit loose. They're going to chase the rabbit. And I'd hear this roar. Woo! Because why? Because somebody put down some money. And if that dog wins, somebody's going to get some money. And they don't mind putting down some money if there's a hope or chance of getting some money. They're giving to get. They're not giving to feed the greyhound. Or to repair the rabbit if they should catch him. Can you say amen? (laughs) Amen. They're giving to get. You know what has built a lot of ministries? People who are giving to get. If they had to do the first prerequisite for discipleship, they couldn't qualify. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Number one, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Does that mean you're going to do without something? No, it means you're going to make room for God to fill up something that nothing you could ever have in this world could satisfy. Amen. You're not going to offer your body a living sacrifice unless you deny yourself. And unless you deny yourself, you're not going to take up your cross. Down in Mexico, some people that went to visit missionaries that went to minister in Mexico... There's, a, there's an old tourist attraction. There's a church that is so many hundred years old. And out front there's a man who has carved out of wood crosses. And he's hawking those crosses. Cheap crosses. Cheap crosses. Cheap crosses. Cheap crosses. And they came back to America and they saw... What it took to get people to give and to be faithful and to to honor their ministers. And they said, this is a cheap cross gospel. It crossed Jesus everything to save us. But we want to benefit materially or we're not going to serve Him or His work or His kingdom. And it created a situation for the charlatans to come in. And say, look what we've accomplished. And young ministers coming out of Bible school said, if I'm going to have a church that says I'm successful. Ravi Zacharias, an apologist that preaches on, on campuses and teaches in a Christian university. Ravi Zacharias said these words. He said, my heart is broken. Every time a graduating class graduates from a major Bible college getting ready to go into ministry. And they come to me. They come to me after all of these years of study and learning the Bible. And they come to me. And they said, Ravi, can you tell us where we should send our resumes to be a pastor? What parts of the country has the best financial packages? What parts has the best parsonages and benefits? And, and where should I, should, should I, should it go to the Northeast, the Midwest, California? And they're businessmen. The only thing in their mind is, how am I going to profit from preaching? No one is saying, God, where do you want me? If God looked at that bunch of people, He could never get a missionary out of the bunch. Because if you're going to be a missionary, you lay it all down, you leave it all behind. But that thing you said about more fulfilling in the giving, missionary... 
gave this testimony on Moody some years back. He said, I knew it was God that we go down in the Congo and be missionaries. But my wife, I didn't know if she was going because I'm the head of the house and God told me or if it's in her heart. And he said, I was real concerned because it was real hot. And I didn't know where we were going to live when we got there. And he said, when, we said, we took a plane as far as we could fly. We took a r- Range Rover as far as we could drive in four-wheel drive. And then we got in a dugout canoe, and we went down a river. And, and then we went down a branch in the river. And we came to a little village that was expecting a missionary to come and tell them about Christ. And he said, we were going to live there for a year until we got them really you know, grounded and settled in Jesus. And he said, said, we walked into this hut, and he said there was a, those army ants, type ants or termites, one, there was a mound waist high in the middle of this place that they were going to live. Say, now my wife was hot, and my wife was tired, and we got out of that canoe, and we walked into that hut. He said, I went in first, and I thought, uh oh, uh oh. Uh, you know, we didn't count. We counted on at least some living quarters that were a little better than what I'm looking at. This is one big mess right here. And he said, when my wife walked in behind me, she looked at the same thing I was seeing. And she said, we're going to have to get that out of here. Because we can do this right here. And we can play, fix a little. They brought one of the little camp stove. We can put our camp stove over. She saw it. She saw it through the eyes of someone who had understood the value of giving for the Lord. And she didn't see a sacrifice. She saw an opportunity to express love in a way that most Christians don't even hardly consider. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. He said, we stayed a year. We fixed that little place up. You wouldn't believe what my wife did with just a few things, the camping equipment that we brought. We slept good. We ate good. And God blessed us with joy. And and people came to know Christ as their Savior. And we left a a legacy of faith and put someone in charge of a church. And the, the church is growing and the witness is flowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're so filled with joy. I don't, you'll never see a missionary with a long face. Why? Because they're following Jesus. His example, they're doing what they do from the heart because they love God and they love people and God is blessing them with something beyond anything the material world can grant or give. A few weeks ago in Rolling Stone magazine, a few months ago actually, they interviewed Brad Pitt. And he's got, he's got uh, Angelina Jolie as his main squeeze. He's got fame. If he gets in a movie, millions up front. He's got looks. I wore my sunglasses to get us an ice cream at Parksdale. And there's Latin women, Mexican women serving. And they call me Mr. Twist. Not because I do any twisting down there. Even if I couldn't, even if I could, I wouldn't, Brother Terry, because something would go out of whack and they'd have to take me like this to the chiropractor. The Egyptian doctor. The Egyptian doctor. A chiropractor. Can you say amen? And I came in with my sunglasses on. And 
I said, did you recognize me? They said, Mr. Twist is here. Because I always get the twisted, you know, the twist ice cream, vanilla chocolate twist. And somebody's got a phone that maybe needs the battery taken out. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And I said to them, because I always go in there happy. I'll even buy my dog ice cream. And they said, Mr. Twist is here. I said, you recognize me? You didn't think I was Brad Pitt because I had on my dark glasses? And they said, no, you're Mr. Twist. <laughs> I said, would you believe Brad Pitt's daddy? I'll take that. <laughs> Always go in with joy. Brad Pitt said, with his looks, with his money, with his marriage to a beautiful actress, Rolling Stone magazine, they asked him, he said, voluntarily, some people think I have it made. He said, in reality, I don't know what it is. But I hope someday that I can find it. And then he went off into some rambling about existentialism and this and that and the other new age. And he, you know why he can't find it? Because it's not in any of those things. It's not in this world culture. It's not in the kingdom of man. It's only in the kingdom of God. It's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness. It's peace. And it's something some of you need today. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 So all of the junk that stimulates people to f- with the material only proves something. In Christianity, the cross has lost its place in the heart and life of the believer. And so why not merchandise them? They're easy pickings. They'll turn it loose if we can stimulate it. Put the blood money of Judas. Put $30 in this bag. God will save your children. No, He won't. God will heal your body. No, He won't. It's with His stripes. Not with your seed gift. Not with your offering. You can't buy what he paid for you know why it's not for sale at any price freely you've received that's why peter said at the gate beautiful you know what he would have told that guy if we're in today's charismatic full gospel error culture you know what he told the guy at the gate beautiful you need to sow a seed brother that's what he would have told he would have told him that man ain't got nothing And he's expecting them to give him something material. But he needs a a deliverance. He needs a healing. (laughs) And he he expected to receive something of Peter and John when they went up to worship. Christians are benevolent and he knew it. This is a good place to beg. He never had walked lame from his mother's womb. And Peter turned to him and steadfastly beholding him said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Freely you've received. Freely give, such as I have. 
give I thee hallelujah and taking him by the wrist and lifting him up immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he ran into the temple running and leaping and praising God praising God praising God hallelujah Hallelujah. How refreshing it would be for someone to preach Christ and Him crucified again and see people healed and delivered, set free and saved. Hallelujah. It's tough to hold the line and preach the truth in a Christian community that has become conditioned to giving to get rather than giving because they care and they love and they appreciate what Jesus has done at Calvary when the cross is no longer a stimulus for us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow we can fill a building with people on Sunday but we can't make one disciple unto Christ And he didn't just say go and fill churches with people. He said go into all the world and make disciples unto me. And how do you make a disciple? Somebody has to love him enough to have enough devotion to him. To deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Can you say amen? That's why the Bible said in Ephesians 5, Be ye followers of God as dear children. And walk in love even as He walked. Not just love for others, but love for the Father. Even as He walked. Make no mistake about it. It was love that held Him to the cross. And it was love for God and for those people that caused that woman to not be drugged. When when God called me into ministry, my uncle was a minister. I wanted to be an evangelist because you can hit them and run. Amen. No matter what I preach, I go out the door. I go home, eat me a chicken pot pie. Can you say amen? Amen. I don't have to worry about who's discouraged, who's disgruntled, who's uh, critiquing me while I'm preaching. Can you say amen? Who don't like the air being too cold and who don't like it being too hot and to whom it was too loud and who it was too low. I don't have to worry about that. I preach the truth. I'm out of there. Amen. I didn't want a pastor. And I didn't want my wife to be drug into it, drug away from Tampa Electric, because I started, when did you start? I started in 64. 73. I started in, no, I started in 74. We're about how many years you have, Tika? 43 years with Tampa Electric. I left Tampa Electric going full-time ministry as a pastor. The lady that just passed away, the founder of this ministry, Sister Pearl White, who came to preach for her, said, God told me there would be a man, his wife, and his boy. Child. I said, well, when he comes, I'm sure God will confirm it to him. Put myself out of the loop. take myself out right now I I hope he has a wonderful ministry here 
because I did not want to pastor. God called me to preach. I have no problem preaching. It's the other stuff. 1,700 leave every month because of the pressure on their marriage, their home, and their personal life, and even the effect on their spiritual life. So, <laughs> I said, Lord, I want your will more than I want my way. He said, then you better go down there and, and do what I'm telling you. You know it's me because you don't want to do it. <laughs> if you just want it so bad, nothing else would do you. It may not be me, but... If you don't want to do it, but you will do it, if it's my will, if you'll say, nevertheless, my will be done, I'll help you do it. So I said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. <laughs> Amen. And, and asked for a confirmation. I thought, I'm going to put a fleece out here because I'm not going to do this unless God shows me. And I put my fleece out there. You want to hear my fleece? He don't let me do that much anymore. I'm going to tell you anyway. This is the fleece I put out. I said, Lord, if they... If they in this church before this service is over, if they say anything about send the light, send, we used to sing that in our revival, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore, send the light. I thought of a verse in that song as my fleece. If they say anything in the sermon, if they say anything in the teaching about the Macedonian man that Paul saw in the vision that said, come over here and help us. I'll know I'm supposed to come here and, and take this pulpit and help them. Anything about the Macedonian I thought, boy, I'd give him a hard one. She ain't even preaching nothing near about the Macedonian man. I was so comfortable through the sermon. She was preaching Jesus and holiness and righteousness. And I thought, ain't nothing about no Macedonian man. Amen. <laughs> Got down to the end of the service. And she's closing the service. And nothing about the Macedonian man. I don't have to come down here and dig in and take whatever comes and stay here. I can hit and run. And Sister Kathy, used to lead singing for us, stepped up to the microphone and said, I believe God wants us to sing another song before we leave. And I thought, come on, sing it so we can go. <laughs> and she began to sing, send the light. I thought, ain't nothing yet about no Macedonian man. <laughs> And she got to the second verse or third. I forget which one. I have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. <laughs> Brother Taylor, the Lord gets you. He'll hear me in. Amen. Hallelujah. I told him I would. He said, will you? Amen. I put him to the test. He passed the test. He gave me the answer. And I thought about Jonah. 
I thought I can ignore that clear thing that he just did. I can, I can just blow it off as happenstance. Or I can respond to the call of God, amen, to go in Sulphur Springs and be kind of a dual minister where two has pastor evangelist. Because every one of my messages are evangelistic. I'm not, oh, come on, there's no sermonette for you. I'm sorry. If you're looking for a sermonette for Christianettes that want to stay in the spiritual bassinet, that is not my preaching. Can you say, man, if you just want somebody to pet you every Sunday instead of try to grow you every Sunday, that is not my intention. He didn't send me to the Holy Church of God to pet people. He sent me there to challenge them to become true, authentic worshipers and followers of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 And I told Sister White, I said, Sister White, you're right. I'm the man that God said was coming. It was confirmed to her. It was confirmed to us. And that was almost 43 years ago. 43 years ago. Praise God. And I meet people all over Tampa that, that remember something happened. Got a letter from a man in India. No, phone call from a man in Indianapolis. I baptized him when he was 10 years old. He's now a youth leader with children of his own that old in Indianapolis, Indiana. That said, I got my foundation for my faith and my walk with Christ in your church. And I want to thank you for it. So there's a whole lot of people been touched because a little country bumpkin from Sefner Mango came to Suffer Springs. Hallelujah. I call it Suffering Springs. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. To preach the gospel. All of, some of you and some of your loved ones came to the Lord because we came to Tampa. And I didn't hit and run. Glory. But I told the Lord something then and it stands to this day. No matter how great the needs are. If people don't give because they love Christ. Let the ministry fold. I will not resort to the wrong and the misrepresentation. I even refused to put PayPal. And I was urged to do by other pastors on our website so people can contribute if they want to. You couldn't, if you were a millionaire, you couldn't buy one sermon. You know why? It ain't for sale. You say, Brother Venerable... Don't you know if you sold enough sermons, you might could get a bigger car? Sure. But it ain't for sale. And neither am I. And neither am I. And neither am I. Don't you ever worry about some big church wanting me. Number one, they don't. But that I'm going to say like one man did. He said, <laughs> Pastor told the story about a friend of his. He said, pulpit committee came to his little country church, 60 people. He lived in a little humble parsonage. Pulpit committee from the first church in a city came looking for a pastoral candidate. And they came in and heard him preach. And they came after church and they told him, they said, sir, they said, they said, we would like you to come and try out to be the pastor of the first church. And we will offer you this well, number one, you'll have the prestige of being in a pulpit. 
of a church with 750 people. We will give you three times the salary. We will give you a beautiful parsonage. And he said, I'll have to pray about it to appear spiritual. You know, that's what you say. And so he went home and told his wife what they had told him. And he said, honey, he, he said they offered me and told him everything. And he, she said, well, what did you tell him? He said, I told him I'd pray about it. And I want you to join me. So go on in there and pray while I go upstairs and pack. <laughs> See, if you're in it for the fame, if you're in it for the fortune, ain't nothing to pray about. You make every move you make for how it's going to enhance you and better you. And that pride enters in. Pastor friend of mine in Brandon years ago, pastored a huge church, got in a build, building program, got a, a national evangelist, happened to be a lady on television, strong in the Word of Faith movement, evangelist. She just, you know, on television and everybody supporting. And, and, and he got her to come when they were going to dedicate the new sanctuary to come and hold him a meeting. And he, said, he just looked up to her, pedestalized, because here's a nationally known evangelist coming. See, personality. Men's persons in view. And so she came. He had advertised. He had given out flyers that she was coming. But they were only three-quarter full in an 800-seat sanctuary. Three-quarter full in an 800-seat sanctuary. Wow. I would say it backwards. Wow. 600 people have come to hear me preach. Oh, hallelujah. But she didn't look at it that way. She walked in and saw those empty seats in the back. And she read him the riot act. He said, I was so disappointed. See, he's looking for Christ-likeness because of the place she held on television. When you met the person, he didn't meet anything like Jesus. He met some, someone so caught up in themselves, if they don't fill the building wall to wall, they're not worthy of hearing me speak. She let him have it for not advertising, spending more on advertising to make sure there wasn't one seat left. Because I am too, I, I am too high up to minister to 600 people. And it broke his heart. And I thought, well, that's the real world. That's the real world. And that's what's wrong with the church. You could be married four times, stand in a pulpit, and get 10,000 people to give every Sunday. You can use these crazy stimulants. To merchandise people. The Bible actually said they will make merchandise out of you. One man they caught. You send the money to the, the, the post office box. It goes in the bank. Whoever's putting the money in the bank. The checks and the money in the bank. The seed offerings. You're supposed to send a prayer request that God is supposed to answer. Because you did that. And they found a dumpster behind the bank. Was full of prayer request. 
one lady left her evangelist husband that was on television for years because she said, I couldn't take it anymore. He said on television, he was going off to pray and get the mind of God for the ministry. We went to a penthouse suite, she said, in Miami Beach, Florida. And he didn't pray for his ministry and didn't pray for nobody else. And today in Holy Communion, if you give at all, give because you love Christ. And if you've quit loving Jesus, you've lost your first love. And if the cross can't stimulate you, I'll tell you something very clear. Look everyone in the eye when I'm saying it. You are backslid. You slid back. You've lost ground. One time you served Him. You loved Him. God's work was a priority. There was a time. And when people, this is part of what it is necessary for revival. We can pray all day long, seven days a week, but if we don't give and we don't follow Christ, and we don't deal with the heart attitude of selfishness and self-centeredness, there will never be a revival. Because man looks on what? The outward appearance. The persona we project to others. God looks directly, distinctly upon the heart. And the challenge today is not about money. It's about your heart and your relationship to Christ. It's about who is going to be the Lord of your life. Would anyone here feel like you could be stimulated to serve God with all that you are and all that you have because of what Jesus did at the cross? How many believe that should be the stimulus? Hallelujah. I offer you no $20 blessing today. Have you ever heard it? I have. I've heard it over and over again in my early years. There's a special blessing for those who give $50. A special blessing. And the poor people that can't afford to give $50, they can't have it. And yet Jesus said, as he watched people give, because there is a direct correlation between your spiritual commitment, your devotion, and your giving materially. He didn't st stand at the temple and look to see what they gave. He looked to see how they gave. And there's a woman there that he said what she did on that day, they're going to be talking about from that day forward. And here we are going to talk about her. She had two mites. Just not perfectly reduced to our money, but say two pennies. Two pence. Say two pennies. Can anybody say that? I don't go down for pennies anymore. Nickel, I'll go for it because I'm po, but I won't go after pennies. <laughs> too far down, it's too hard to get back up. <laughs> so everybody's giving, and he said, don't trumpet before you give. Don't sound a trumpet before you give. Look what I'm going to do. So see, man's economy and God's are entirely different. <laughs> she, she come up, she dropped in, 
too much. And Jesus stopped the whole procession of giving and offering. And he said, that woman right there gave more than anybody here today. Somebody that owned a business probably dropped in 200 bucks or 2,000 bucks. But listen, he said, "Uh uh-uh, in God's economy, it's different. This woman has given more than everybody here put together. For out of her penury, penury is an old word that means out of, she needed things for herself. And out of her own need, she gave sacrificially. And God took note of it. Amen. And after I read the Bible for a while, I decided I would not be merchandised anymore. I have a sermon out there. Merchandised by men or mastered by Christ. Hallelujah. I want to be mastered by Jesus. I want to find what Willie talked about this morning. I want to find the joy of giving myself away. Not the responsibility or the burden, but the joy of following Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 So as we receive Holy Communion, let me ask a question. How many people in this room feel like that there is more of your heart that you could give away in light of the cross? Is there anyone? There's more of my heart in life that I could give away because of Calvary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's where the obedience comes from. And it's an obedience that comes with joy. Hallelujah. If a man love me, he'll keep my commandments. And it won't be grievous unto him. It'll be a joy. It'll be a way of expressing his love and his devotion for me. Can you say amen today? Hallelujah. Brother, would you serve us Holy Communion this morning? You have uh, amazing grace, any form of it.